In this episode of RT Engineering Radio, Steve Hicks and Eve Essex talk about the differences between building infrastructure and building products, parallels between engineering and a creative practice, and why you can't be precious about the product in either engineering or music. Hey friends, welcome to RT Engineering Radio. I'm Steve Hicks, and I am talking with Eve Essex today. Eve, how are you doing? Hello, doing well. Hanging in, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hanging in through 2021 so far. It's it's not been too much time yet in 2021, but it has not proven itself to be much better than 2020 so far. So, Eve, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I. Um... I'm an engineer based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I've been with Artsy since 2016. And um, currently I'm an engineer on the platform team. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the platform team is? Uh, Yeah, so at Artsy, um, our engineering organization at is divided mostly between uh, different product teams that deal with elements of um, different parts of the website. Uh, But the platform team sort of works between the product teams to support uh, engineers on product teams. So we would handle elements of um, our like systems and infrastructure, like um, administering our, like servers and databases um, and all the alerting and monitoring on that. Uh, We also work on um, like DevOps type of projects and also uh, infrastructure that's used in our front end and back end systems. Yeah, I think of it as like, um, it's a lot of the cross cutting concerns that every team is going to need in order to do their work that kind of work tends to fall on the platform team. I I do I would like to say Eve that from the outside of um, I I don't think I've ever worked on a team with you. Uh, maybe there was like a one month overlap or something somewhere. But as someone who hasn't been on a team with you, I before you joined the platform team, I wasn't really familiar with the kinds of things that you did. But but once you joined, it felt like I just saw your work everywhere. And maybe that's kind of the nature of it that like that's platform and infrastructure work, but also it just seemed like you really, really thrived on that kind of work. Is that accurate? Is that an accurate statement that you thrived on it? Or is it, do you think it's more just like that's the nature of platform? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, One of the things that makes platform uh, work different, um, at Artsy at least, is that you touch a lot of different kinds of systems. Um, so I guess one example, one of the first projects that I worked on, on the team was, um, uh, I guess it was oriented towards standardizing our, um, deployments, uh, and our CI, uh, workflows. So, um, this is a project where you really only touch maybe like one file in each project, but it means you also touch every microservice. So, um, right. 
maybe I have like one one tipic, ticket or one epic that's like, we're going to use this uh, certain library version or something on um, our CI workflow. But that means that I am actually making PERs to like 50 repos. So um, it's kind of interesting because the involvement that you have in an individual application is uh, maybe pretty minimal. Like I'll touch an app that uses Elixir, but probably won't have to actually use any Elixir because I'm just editing config files. But you also get um, a lot more exposure to what all the, um, the breadth of the systems are and their different particularities. Yeah. Is, do you feel like you have to have expertise in all the systems that you're touching or is it uh, because of the things that you're doing, you don't necessarily need to know much about it. You're able to go in and do work on that little tiny section that you need to work on and, and then be uh, blissfully ignorant about the, the rest of the that project. I guess there are things that you would pick up along the way. So most of the places that I ended, like when doing these kind of small projects, I feel like there are a few areas that it pays to be really familiar with. Um, and one is like uh, <laughs> dependency management mm -hmm. because often it would mean like uh, touching a system that hasn't been touched in a year. And then you're the first person to go through like getting the dev environment installed, getting the whole thing running, um, trying to make sure all the tests work um, when maybe it's been neglected a bit over time or like there's just um, the, um, so, some apps have, I guess, more love in those places than others. But I guess I got to know how to work with the, many varieties of testing systems that we use in like a Ruby app versus a node app. Um, and um, I'm sure there are other kinds of apps in there somewhere, but like, and, and then just being able to like feel really confident that I was able to have like the system running that I knew like the acceptance criteria for um, like whether I'm breaking that app, if I upgrade a Ruby version or something. Um, so I feel like I got a taste of a lot of the the qualities of different frameworks and different um, kinds of systems uh, that we've used, but um, missing out on that kind of day to day of, I guess when I was writing JavaScript every day, I feel like I picked up lots of cool tricks about syntax and like the latest like exciting way to do something in React. And I feel like you get a lot of less of that kind of um, mm -hmm. deep familiarity with a particular thing. And then a more like, uh, I don't know, but like, I guess confidence in like testing as an overall concept or like what works as a develop development setup, like agnostic to the language that you're using. Right. It's, it's like, uh, you're exercising different muscles, right? Totally. Um, and it, it kind of seems like with the, the platform work, you're, the muscles that you're exercising are the ones that are maybe even more, uh, maybe even more like theoretical or more um, generally uh, architectural might be your, uh, the right way to say it versus on product team. Are, the things you're doing are more 
uh, more tactical and you're, you're more becoming very deeply um, an expert at a specific language or a specific, um, a specific type of app that you're building. Is that accurate? Um, yeah, I think so. And like the goals of the platform team are really different from other teams because like we're focused on, um, okay, let me think, what are, we just decided we have pillars now. There's four pillars. Um, one of them is velocity, which um, can mean a lot of different things. Like it can mean, mm-hmm. um, but but I guess how we approach it is actually like, developer velocity and ways to um, make um, like the product cadence faster. Right. And those, those, those pillars are something that uh, that's specific to the platform team, right? Um, yeah. Like uh, I guess just like as a way to do our um, kind of goal setting, but um, sure. Let me think if I can remember. Yeah, performance is another of the pillars. Um, security and reliability. So they're very okay. general concepts that I think apply to every team. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like at a high level. Those are the areas that we focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're. Uh, it's a framework that you're trying to put around the work that you're doing to guide the work that you choose to do to make sure that you're working on the right things. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Do, I don't think that you know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you have any any idea, any ballpark estimate of how many different services Artsy has that if you were doing that project where you had to touch every single one, how many projects would you actually be working on and then deploying? Yeah, well, I think the number, it's like probably, it's like around 80 something. I'm not sure the exact Holy number cow. of services right now, but I will say that actually we've changed a lot of how we've been doing this kind of project. So like, I think the most recent time we had to do a change that hit so many services. Uh, we now have a script that um, another platform <laughs> engineer, Isaac, I believe put together to, that will like automatically PR everything. Oh, that's nice. Um, to the individual <laughs> repos from a script. Um, but the it, we've gotten, I think, some interesting tools out of this because um, uh, what's a good example? Like, so... We have a service now that is automatically merging PRs and also uh, releasing and like deploying services. Um, mm-hmm. That's called uh, Horizon, and mm-hmm. so there we have a way where like I as an engineer do not need to manually um, necessarily like potentially a bot could handle opening the pull request in the individual repo when it's green, merging the pull request after it deploys to staging, creating a PR to release that service with those changes. And then like given a certain period of time, merging it and deploying it without anybody touching it. Um, That's nice. So we have a system where like the services can handle merging these 
different changes that come from uh, like artsy packages. Um, so one of these that we use, for example, is a Circle CI orb that will um, we store in our orb all of our commands to release and test um, our projects, but also different library versions related to um, a project called Hokusai, which is our Kubernetes administration. So like if we update a Kubernetes version, we just make an update to our orb version and then all of our microservices will automatically see there's a new version, update it and like create those PRs on their own. That's which nice. like compared to one year ago when like we had to manually make the change everywhere, it's <laughs> so much easier. I can I can't imagine having to go change every one of those services. Well, we only did it a few times, so we were just like, this is not the way. And that is not the only tool that we've built for that kind of stuff either. Like, we're using some templating in our Kubernetes configurations now, so we can, like, share some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We moved, like, a lot of stuff into, like, shared configuration files so that we can... Um, not have to update, for example, like an SSL certificate in every single app when it oh, right. expires. Um, right. Yeah, that is the nice thing about having an entire team devoted to platform is that it seems like the infrastructure is really, really well cared for. Um, do you miss anything about product work instead of being on a product team instead of a platform team? Um, do I miss anything? Uh, I mean, I I guess I do really like messing with uh, visual UIs. So that's something that is kind of fun that I don't do so much. Although um, occasionally I do get to build forms for like user administration or authentication type stuff. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I do. I mean, I kind of miss doing like editorial projects that were very design heavy. Yeah. That's something that you kind of owned before you joined the platform team, right? Was our editorial, um, like our CMS and that whole flow. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very different kind of work. But honestly, I feel like... Um, even like... I'm open to the idea of like being a product engineer, but I feel like the experience of being on the platform team really um, made me consider problems in a really different way from how I had before. Um, in what ways? Uh, well, I guess, what's a good example? Um, I would say that the scope of the projects usually stretches into a longer time frame maybe or how to put it like mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the platform projects have involved this kind of long-term observation and maintenance and small improvements like mm -hmm. most changes I make are small but cumulative over time of like um seeing how something works and then sort of like expanding on it slowly. Um, yeah. Which is kind of different from how product would work 
Um, yeah. I guess because usually you like build the original product and like maybe you do come back to it, but um, hmm. yeah, I don't know how quite to narrow that down correctly. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's perfect. What I'm hearing is we're talking long-term scope for a lot of these projects. I'm really curious to transition a little bit to talk about long-term scope in the context of your your um, your hobbies and the stuff that you do outside of work. And if there is any relation there, uh, for listeners who don't know, you're also a, a very good musician and you spend a lot of time working on that, which I think is cool because Artsy, as uh, one of our you know core principles is where we sit at the intersection of art and science. And when I think of a person who sits at this, that intersection, I often think of you as someone who's a really strong engineer and also a really strong musician, I'm curious if you feel like there is an intersection between those and what that intersection between art and science looks like. Yeah. So I guess as a engineer, I think, I think of engineering, like, and we even use this term at artsy, but like practice is the way that like, Artists always describe what they do, um, like in art school and everything. It's like, oh right, yeah. It's like this is my practice, like what I do yep. in my studio. That's my practice, and um, and I think it's true that engineering is kind of like a creative practice in this way that it's a, it's kind of abstract and formal problem solving, and mm-hmm. in the context of working at a company, it's like you are you're executing projects that are given to you. You're like, maybe there's some element of creativity in that, but I think it's more about like the formal breakdown of how you um, like address the problem at hand than the problem itself, I guess, when I think about engineering Mm -hmm. as a practice um, that like there's some amount of like, composition that comes into like designing a nice and efficient piece of code um yeah and that like good design is clean design but that's like true that's true of a program i think as much of it is of like designing like a coffee cup or something like that right that Um, makes sense there's such thing as elegance um and um and style also um yeah, and knowing knowing when to stop adding things, I mm-hmm. feel like um, I think that's often a problem. I, I I I would not call myself an artist, but occasionally I like to draw and paint stuff, and that's always the problem for me. Is like, when do I stop? This is too much, um, and that also feels like a thing that you can do in engineering too, with uh, with over architecting something or with mm-hmm. with just making something way more complex than it needs to be, which is another thing that I'm really really good at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I think about like the, um, I mean, that's a part of my process, both as an engineer and like making music. It's like getting it all the way to like, you know, it's way too much and then you pull it back. Um, Mm -hmm. like editing is such a huge part of the process. Yeah, Um, I imagine. And like, I mean, it's different for everybody, like, but I don't release everything I make <laughs> like and I and I and I'll often like remake things that I make over and over again um because 
I don't know, you learn from trying things in different ways and with different approaches. Um, right. And I think that's true when I do stuff in code too, where it's like, like sometimes I will have to go way deep in it and then I see the way to like build it fresh really quickly and cleanly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I definitely feel like the code that I'm writing on a regular basis, no one's seen all the things that I'm writing. There's a lot of, you said the word practice earlier, and a lot of it is uh, maybe a different meaning of the word practice, but like it's practice, you're, you're getting better at it. And so as I'm sitting there writing code, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going through probably 15 garbage versions before I get to the one that actually works. Um, and I, I imagine that your your process for making music is pretty similar to that. Yeah, it's like, I think that the, when I think about practice too, it's like, um, there is the practice of like, maybe in the very literal sense of like, I will practice playing a scale, like before I do the real work maybe, or sure the real work. <laughs> maybe the skills are a part of the work, but there's, there, there's that kind of like idea of like, I am practicing a skill, a skill, but when mm-hmm. I think about like a uh, creative practice, it's more like uh, these are the collections of skills and like, um, I'm trying to think. I had a conversation about um, Adam <laughs> with Adam about this not so long ago. But like, part of being an artist is like teaching yourself skills and um, mm-hmm. teaching yourself like the right combination of. Um, systems that you need to like achieve like the product that feels right to you where it's like um I don't know and I feel like it's picking up stuff like that all all the time like mm-hmm. uh, picking up a new instrument or like trying to learn a new piece of software trying to learn um like how to do like a different kind of recording something like that and I think engineering is pretty similar where it's like the the element of learning that you have to do to like just exist in that like code changes all the time. The libraries change all the time. Everything is constantly shifting. So I think like why engineering as a practice feels like familiar to me versus um, like a musical practice is that it's like you're constantly trying to like, uh, I guess, like, change the way that you're thinking about how you write something and how you make something and, like, absorbing all the context around you, but it's, like, a constantly shifting target Um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I feel like um, maybe when I was doing, like, in a previous role, I was working in, like, um, like, arts administration type stuff, doing a lot of, like, communication stuff, and it's, like, I feel like there's a more, like, clear sense of, like, the right way to do things in other uh, roles that I've worked in than there are as an engineer, which is way more about like how your mind can like process the problem and like what skills you can bring to it. Yeah, completely. That, um, that is definitely a thing I think about in code reviews a lot is, is looking at code and thinking, yeah, this is completely different than how I would have done it, but that doesn't make it wrong. That just means that this person had a very different 
Um, they just had a different way of modeling the problem in their minds. And this is how they, this is, it's, it's like their version of creating an artwork versus my version of create, trying to create a similar artwork. We just would do things completely different. I think that's really a hard thing for engineers, especially to, to accept a lot of the time is that there isn't just one way to write the code or to solve one problem or to do the one thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess like on the other side of that coin, um, is like, <laughs> like learning to like accept review and accept criticism and, um, to learn how to incorporate that. Um, I think that's something that I had to pick up pretty quickly when I like, um, mm -hmm. became an engineer is that like, oh, I can't, you can't like be precious about the product it's going to change it's going to be like somebody's going to be like oh why did we waste all our time building this thing uh like the eventually it's going to be defunct so like you have to like enjoy the process of doing it and like make a nice thing but you can't like put too much emotional energy into the idea that it is a complete and like precious work I love I love that sentence. You can't be precious about the product. I'm gonna do something with it. I don't know what, but I'm gonna put it somewhere. I could. That's something that I have been less <laughs> successful incorporating into making art. But like as an engineer, it <laughs> helps me have some distance. For sure, that makes sense. One other thing I want to ask you is if there are any tools or skills that really cross over, kind of transcend both engineering and making music uh are there are there any things that you do that in both places where maybe you're not necessarily consciously thinking about how you're applying one to the other um but or maybe you are maybe you are thinking consciously about those yeah i would say in terms of like actually writing stuff i don't know that there's so much like conscious overlap, but there are like a f there are a few tools that I have um, adapted from artsy into my practice. Um, one of which is like related to project management sure. and trying to be um, more uh, explicit in defining what I'm looking for before I start. Um, yeah. Which is, which is not, in, not in every case, but um, for example, when I am collaborating, this has become helpful to, um, to like, uh, I don't know. I, there's stuff like, like I've been using notion um, and making Kanban boards with like different to do mm -hmm. things. And um I'm a huge personal Kanban person. Um, I use it around the house for house projects. And <laughs> every once in a while, I get this urge to, I get this idea that I'm going to somehow convert my entire family to Kanban everything. Um, but I, we never successfully <laughs> deliver that that project. I, I have not had luck converting others to this. I, uh, I talked to the people, like my neighbors at my studio a little bit about this and they... They were a little skeptical, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, it really depends on the project, of course. Like, 
some things you need to be a little more free form, but um, definitely when there's deadlines and when there's outside collaborators, like it's definitely a lot easier to um, I don't know to be to to be more professional <laughs> in your approach mm-hmm. to your projects. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like other kinds of things that I've been working on. I mean, I feel like just like general debugging has made me better at like dealing with problems, like totally um, trying to, I don't know, like I started learning uh, different elements of uh, home recording and like MIDI routing this year. And like, I feel like I have much better forum searching skills than I did before I was an engineer, but that's like pretty indirect. Totally. I mean, uh, so people listening don't know this, but Eve has been really, um, really critical and generous in us learning how to edit this podcast, and uh, we're we're being really slow about picking it up. I think you guys are doing fine. (laughs) Um, I mean, actually, I will say I feel like you guys found better tools than I did. I think because um, I guess I never, I I don't know much about the world of. podcasting I guess but the world of audio is so old that there's like the whole um there's just a million ways to do things I guess but none of them seem particularly easy definitely just just like development Eve uh Eve let's wrap up this conversation I want to give you one more chance to maybe plug some things that you're interested in plugging is there any um, anything you want to share with people who want to discover your music or anything like that? Things that, oh, um, sure. Uh, I mean, you can find my music on, um, just under my name, Eve Essex. It's in most of the services you could imagine. Um, cool. and hopefully another album out this year. Um, if you, if you get that personal Kanban thing all ironed out. It'll be delivered this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, cool. Well, um, I'll share that in the the show notes. Sounds good. All right, Eve. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Steve. Nice to talk to you. And this was pretty fun. listening you can follow us on twitter at artsy open source keep up with the artsy engineering blog at artsy.github.io thank you eve essex for our theme music you can find her on all major streaming platforms until next time this is artsy engineering radio